Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to hear from Willie Jefferson about signing a new deal with the Blue Bombers, why he wants to stay here, why he loves it here. And then Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba stops by to tell us why it's such a big deal that Canada won the Davis Cup. That's all on the podcast. You may have heard on the weekend that Willie Jefferson is back with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Saturday morning, the team sent out the press release that, yes, he was coming back for another year in blue and gold. And today we got to hear from the defensive Dynamo from Texas. And he talked to the media about a variety of topics, including why he wanted to be here in Winnipeg still. Uh, just the culture, the the friendships that I built, you know, with the teammates and things like that, with the coaches, the organization, uh, the community, and things like that. Just uh, it feels like home. It feels good to be here, and I just really didn't want to be anywhere else but Winnipeg right now. Did he know when he first got here in 2019 that this city would be the place for him? When I first got here in 19, it was it was just different. Like that year. Um, like it was a lot of first for me. Like I was doing a lot of things on my own, uh, just professionally. And then like once I got here and the culture that was already set when I, when I got here and then like how uh, we began to build while I was here and like how things just, uh, just started to come together for me and my family and this team and this organization. And it just felt right. So he's going to be 30 two in january it'll be his fourth season 2023 will be with the blue bobbers ninth in the canadian football league he was the team's most outstanding defensive player this past year named a west division all-star led the team in sacks with seven had 33 tackles a pick six two forced fumbles and 10 pass knockdowns in fact during this past season became the first player in cfl history to have 50 sacks and 50 pass knockdowns he's very good and he lives here more than just during the season. In fact, his daughter was born here this year. It was nice, you know, just to just to know, like, I've been here for so long, put in so much work, and then, like, for me to bring my wife and my daughter up here and for them to love it, and then, you know, for now, for me to have, you know, a Canadian daughter, uh, it's amazing. You know, I can't uh, wait to, you know, just show I'm just show her the world, you know what I'm saying, through my eyes and do uh everything I can to, you know, help raise her to be a, a beautiful Canadian citizen. He needs to get his daughter a passport though. A process, you know, that uh everybody has to go through and um we're fine, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna we can wait uh to get her passport and things like that. But when she gets her passport, then we can start the process of, you know, traveling and things like that. So the first place that we will be going is home, back to Texas to, you know, visit family and friends and things like that. And then come back to Winnipeg, settle in, get some things situated, and then probably take us a little family vacation, just just us, somewhere tropical. So you're ready to enjoy Manitoba winter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's snowing today, so I was, you know, getting started. A little different than Texas, but he's used to it now. He's embraced it, which is awesome to see. He was asked as well, though, when it comes to negotiations, if living here year-round can be used against him and others like him since 
you've moved everything here. You've got a house here. Be a be a quite hassle to move or whatnot. So why don't you take a little bit less? Because you know you want to stay. Uh, I guess it it would be for like guys like myself that are American that uh, made that choice to come up here to Canada, like long term and things like that. But like I said, that's a part of the business. If uh, if you know what I'm saying, like not me necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I know where I want to be, and that's in Winnipeg. So if you know other guys that move to Canada for a certain team and they get traded to another team or, you know, negotiations don't go the way they want and they end up going somewhere else. Uh, it's, it's totally fine to, you know, uh, have your family in one city and you play for another city or, you know, you're already in Canada. So it's nothing for you to move to another city and start where you want to be. Feels good though. Doesn't it? If you're a, a blue bomber fan that someone like Willie, Adam Big Hill, other players like him have decided, you know what? Winnipeg's great. I'm going to stay here all the time. It's a definite ringing endorsement of the city and the community. And he absolutely loves it here. And as far as the future is concerned, 2023 and beyond, he's got a lot of thoughts on his future, his legacy, the team coming back together for another run at a Grey Cup title. He was asked to give his thoughts on how things went for the team. We had a great season. You know, this group of guys was different from, you know, 2019, 2021, and that was special. We uh, we grew as a team. We we had a bond. Offense, defense, special teams made some amazing plays throughout the season. We made it to, you know, the Great Cup three years in a row, and that's, and that's, and that's something that we could be proud of. It didn't end the way we wanted to, but, you know, it went down to the last play the last second, and, you know, that's something that we can be proud of. That's something that we can build on next year, and that's something that I told the guys at the end of the season that it's, it's, it's going to drive us, each and every one of us, in a, in a, in a different way this offseason to be better, to come back stronger, faster, more, uh, more ready for those situations. And looking at the future, his legacy with the Blue Bombers, does he want to write his name among the legends when he looks up and he sees the Ring of Honor? Does he think, hey, well, my name up there someday? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, you know, looking to those rappers, you see names like Doug Brown, Mill Stiegel, Walby. You know what I'm saying? You want to be those guys. You know what I'm saying? And then it's, it's things that I want to do, uh, records that I want to break for this, for this organization and things like that. And then you got to stay around to do that. So that's what I plan on doing. Yeah, he wants to stay around, and, and it's fine, by the way, doing one-year deals. And it's, it's been it's been all right, you know. Uh, I know where I want to be, and I know what I bring to what I bring to the uh, to the league and things like that. And that's pretty much it, you know. Uh, the the one year, like the one year things, is like it's just something that just comes with this business, and I don't mind it. You know, it's like, I, like I said, I know where I want to be, and I don't plan on going nowhere no time soon. All right, so let's look ahead to the 2023 season. What does he want to do better next year? 2023, uh, stack up these stack up these sacks. You know, uh, be a, a, an elite defense. Uh, get some more knockdowns, some forced fumbles. You know, I just want to be. I just want to be elite. I just want to be uh, somebody that's gonna wreak havoc on offenses. Something, somebody that's gonna uh, be top of the. Top of the list when when offense coordinators go into their meetings to talk about the Winnipeg defense. You know, this year, you know what I'm saying? I, I did uh 
get a lot of double teams, a lot of, you know, slide protection, a lot of chips from the running back and things like that. And that helped out our defense a lot. You know what I'm saying? I, I take pride in that. I, it's a privilege to, you know, have that type of thing coming from an offensive standpoint. But, you know what I'm saying, I want to be able to, you know, get that and still win. You know what I'm saying? Still be able to get to the quarterback, still be able to get sacks, still be able to get interceptions, help out my defense as much as I can. And I think the the health of Jackson Jeffcoat is integral to Willie's stats because that's such a tag team duo, right? When you've got two players that you have to worry about, well, that allows each to thrive. And if Jeffcoat's out, no offense to the other players playing defensive end for the team, but they're not quite up to his level, right? Jeffcoat missed six games this year. He's actually played... 12 games in each of the last four seasons. And of course, last year was a shortened season, but he played 12 last year and he played 12 this year. But back to Willie. And just the potential of this team to stay together and to run it back. There's still a lot of guys in town. A lot of guys were working out today as this press conference is being conducted. You can often hear them. You're just slamming in the background. I don't know if that's medicine ball slams, what it is, but you can often hear if there's like a, a thud that you hear. That's usually what it is because the weight room is right beside the press room at IG Field. How does that help, having so many guys still around? The season just ended, but people are getting after it. Oh, yeah, man, it's a, it's a big mental push. You know what I'm saying? Like So to have guys that, you know what I'm saying, like Patty, he's in there. Guys like uh, O'Leary Orange, he's in there. Guys like uh, like Winston, he's in there. You know, uh, he's not be able to do much, but you know what I'm saying. He's in there just talking to guys, getting guys mentally, you know what I'm saying, into it. But you know what I'm saying, it's, it's good to have those guys here. You know, to have a group of guys, you know what I'm saying, a good group of guys that know each other, that's you know what I'm saying, that can that be that can be with each other and push each other. You know what I'm saying, and we all different uh, positions. You know, so I'm a defensive lineman, Pat is offensive lineman. Uh, O'Leary Owens is a wide receiver. Winston's a, a cornerback. So all of us are different body types and things like that. But we're all in the away room together. We're all getting it in and just pushing each other to be better. And it's it's the off season. You know what I'm saying? We just finished the season. This it's really no no need to be in the weight room right now. You know to do to do anything but to just you know stay stay in it mentally, stay in it. You know what I'm saying? Physically for you know for your own personal for your own personal goals. But you know what I'm saying? That's that's all it is. There's the thuds at the end of guys working out. He's in his 30s. Turned 32, as I mentioned, in January. January 31st, to be specific. How much football does he have left in him? Like you said, early 30s, I hope I can go to my 40s. I'm saying, like, as long as as long as long I can go, and as long as I can be productive, and as long as I can uh, affect the game the way, in a good enough way to help my team, so I, I can play into whenever. Okay, well, we'll see, but. He's still here for now, no doubt about that. And also, the the part of him signing this less than a week after the season ended—that's not an accident. I'm saying that, I, I I hope it keeps the momentum going a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of guys know where they want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like myself, Patty. You know what I'm saying? And a couple of other guys. And I'm saying I'm pretty sure don't want to go anywhere else. Just waiting to uh, get the last couple of uh, things right on it right with their negotiations and things. So uh, hopefully a lot of guys hurry up and come back, you know what I'm saying, before free agency starts, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just so happened we did ours uh, before Christmas and things like that. So hopefully a couple other guys from the team do the same. 
And what about Mike O'Shea? He's a free agent too. Are they trying to give him advice about staying? Same thing he told us, you know what I'm saying? Keep us in the loop. You know what I'm saying? If, if it's anything that, you know, we can do as, as players to uh, help him or persuade him to stay and things like that, you know what I'm saying? Let us know. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing for us to, you know what I'm saying, give him anything that he asked for because he gives us everything and more when we ask for it. So that's pretty much it. If I was to see him walking by, I ask him anything that I could do to, you know what I'm saying, persuade him and things like that. But, you know, him being who he is, I know he knows what he wants and he's just, you know what I'm saying, taking his time and it's doing it his way. And we'll leave things on this note from Jefferson on how he views the CFL now compared to when he came to Canada eight years ago. Uh, 2014, when I came up, um, I was really just trying to focus on being on the team and sticking on the team for a full season and then just trying to uh, and just try to get better and try to just learn the game once I got up here. Like being under guys like Odell, and like showing me the game and then just uh, telling me how it is to be a CFL player, how I could grow my name, how I can, uh, you know, establish myself and, and make a career for myself in the CFL. And, you know, like I said, in 2014, I was just young and I was just wanting to play football. I was really just trying to uh, get back to the NFL any kind of way that I could. And then, you know what I'm saying, the fast forward to now, you know, like you said, uh, three great cups, defensive player of the year and, you know, all these accolades and things later. Like now, you know, I've had a daughter in, in Canada and things like that, and I've made Canada my home professionally. And, you know what I'm saying, from then to now, I've learned so much. I've grown so much. And, you know, uh, like I'm able to, you know, share my story with some young guys that, you know, pretty much in the same position that I'm in and to uh, shine some light on them and to basically jumpstart their uh, their ideas, their minds to, you know, try to come up here and start a career, you know, saying start a family, uh, be able to be financially stable to, you know, go back to the States if you want to, you know, say in the off season and do some things to take care of your family and, you know, uh, be smart with your money and then come up here and, like I said, make a name for yourself, make a legacy for yourself. And, you know, and one day they can have their names in the Raptors just like I hope to one day. That is Willie Jefferson, Blue Bomber Defensive Wizard. Back for another year in blue and gold. Canada. At the World Cup of Soccer, maybe not going as well as we would have wanted. But in terms of tennis, the Davis Cup has been around for a very long time. And for the first time ever yesterday, Canada captured it for the very first time. And here to talk about the significance of the event is Mark Hart of Tennis Manitoba. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Christian. How are you? I'm good. First of all, explain the Davis Cup and how it's changed over the years, because it's not quite what it used to be, right? No, you know what? It's, uh, it, it was just so hard to follow, to track even for myself, who's a a tennis enthusiast, uh, you kind of, I think you lose interest, but because it is so complex and for, as far as the format and how long it takes to play out all the matches between countries. And uh, it's not like having a Stanley Cup tournament, the playoffs, they call it the tournament. It's not like having a World Cup tournament where it's all in one month condensed into, into four weeks of play. Uh, because of the tennis season uh, spans, pretty much, uh, what, I'm going to say 50, uh, 48 weeks out of the 52 weeks. So they have to schedule in the Davis Cup in between big tournaments and try to get all the the big superstars, all the names to represent their country is really tough to do. So 
in years gone by, I mean, you didn't get your best players playing in the Davis Cup representing your country, but they've changed the format. They've realized this. They wanted to get all the marquee players and the best playing the best and having it really a, a true World Cup of tennis. Um, they finally decided to, uh, to, to, to change the format where it is done in, in uh, smaller periods of time, done in a week. And, uh, and that's what's happened now in these past few years. And it's actually a, an ex-Spanish uh, national team soccer player that, that, that owns it. He has a company that, that, that took it over, had his idea of, of trying to make it more like the World Cup of Soccer. And, uh, and he's been successful, I think, in the last two, three years. Uh, the popularity has gained, the viewership has gained, and uh, attendance at the actual Davis Cups um, have definitely risen. And, uh, and I'm not proud to say I'm so happy. I actually had a tear in my eye yesterday when Canada wrapped it up. I, I just can't believe that that day, I, that day actually came and, and Canada is, is on top of the world. And, and especially, like I said, beating the best players, best players representing their co- countries really means a lot this year for them to win it. So Canada beat Germany in uh, yeah. on tw- the 24th, two points to one, and then Italy 2-1. And on the 26th, and then yesterday it was Australia 2-0. Now, we do have to point out, as you yeah. mentioned, who is who is playing for the countries and who isn't. Canada had its A team there, and this is men's tennis. It was Denis Shapovalov yeah. and Felix Ogialiassime. Australia did not have Nick Kyrgios. Germany does not have Alex Verov. He's out with a, an ankle injury still. Right. This is, and, and Italy did not have uh, a full-strength Matteo Berrettini. So I'm not trying to put a damper on it, but Again, yeah. there are these are things that have to be pointed out. No, for sure. But Berrettini again, just injuries and same thing. I'm not sure, curious what what his situation was, but Zverev, like you said, for Germany, um, he he was injured with his ankle and all that. And these players have recently played for the country. If they're fit and if they're available, they are playing because, again, it's it's good for their schedule as well. They put it in, in a space where it's at the end of the season. There are no tournaments to conflict with. and uh, But the only problem is now it's the end of the season where players are carrying injuries after playing so many weeks in a row, playing a full year. You know, some players are taking it as, okay, it's rest time. And, and you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to forego playing for my country. I need my rest to get ready and go on uh, for Australia in January. So um, I, it is, I mean, it, it just depends. It, it depends. I mean, every one of the players, you know, I mean, all the top players now, they want that feather in their cap saying, we won the Davis Cup, uh, that I won the Davis Cup. I know Federer was going after it at the end of his career. He finally did win it uh, one time a few years back. So, you know, he, he did want that. And there's times where, for sure, when you're younger and the players are, are more thinking about their own personal career, not their country's glory, they, they're trying to do what's best for themselves. But as you grow older, the players do realize how much Davis Cup means. And uh, it is, you know, and I, it is, the World Cup is massive. The World Cup of soccer is huge. There are other tournaments that are massive, but there is no bigger tournament with participation from as many countries as there is for the Davis Cup. So when this whole thing starts up again, Again, all the qualifying, the process starts up in the new year. I mean, every country is involved more so than in soccer or any other sport. So it truly is the biggest uh, biggest competition uh, country-wise in the world. So Now, yesterday, I was watching it. Uh, right before, It happened to end right before Canada's soccer match against yeah. uh, Croatia. Mm-hmm. But the satellite feed disappeared. It started it was four yeah. three. Felix in the second set against Alex Dimonor, who's a good player, a top twenty five player, for sure. And it's gone, and we we can't watch it anymore. And then it ended up uh, wrapping up without it being on Canadian television. 
you feel for Sportsnet as a broadcaster because you know when, when something goes wrong technologically, you feel really helpless. But yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, that definitely puts a damper on this, does it not? It really did, and I'm watching. And and it, I mean, I'm a dual sport athlete. I'm growing up playing soccer and tennis. So for me, I was like in heaven for that one hour there. It's like Canada's wrapping up Davis Cup, and in tennis, and then the World. Cup is right after it. Like, I mean, it couldn't have been planned more perfect. And uh, and especially Canada and soccer, they started off with that goal like, what, two minutes in. So they're up one nothing. Davis Cup just wraps up. I'm going, oh my gosh, this is like the best moment that I've waited for. All I needed was the Niners winning and I'd be happy. And then they did win in the end in football. But anyways, yeah, no, for that, I felt so bad for the, for the broadcast and for for, for fans like myself, like yourself, that have waited as long as we have, and it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> we get to this point, and it's we can't see it. And thankfully, they had images after the fact. But uh, to, to watch it actually unfold, like in, in live, in real time, would have been like ultimate. But you know what? I'll take it, and I'll definitely remember. This is how I how, how it happened now when, when Canada won Davis Cup. But yeah, it, it, it's just a pity that we couldn't see it live. Yeah, I, I was scrambling on... Uh, trying to find a stream somewhere and finding no yeah. luck, and then uh, so I saw someone point out like you could find it on a betting app maybe. So I went on that, and I, I literally got in time for the final point. So I saw the final point, uh, and I saw the dog pile on uh, Felix, and you could <laughs> tell how much the play it, it means to the players. They love to win because you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. You love to win. Yeah. Period. Whatever it is you're doing, but this they felt the history of this. It looked like they really felt the history of this. They're, they really did. And being part of Tennis Manitoba here, and um, we're, we're so interconnected, intertwined with Tennis Canada. Uh, Tennis Canada does a really good job in including the provinces in the development. I mean, naturally they do. Tennis Canada needs the uh, the provinces to, to feed the system. I mean, um, to have players that are starting at 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, and those are the ones that are playing our little junior rookie tour tournaments and and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, they have those visions of, of you know, playing for Canada. And, and um, it, it does start with all the little provinces and all the hard work that our coaches put in and the parents driving kids to practices at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and, and all those countless hours, those nervous hours watching kids play tournaments. I mean, this is the, uh, this is it. This is the pinnacle. And, and, and I mean, to... Uh, to, to be a part of it on the administrative side and to see what Tennis Canada goes through, how much they invest in our whole system in, you know, building indoor courts across Canada and, and what, how much money they give to the provinces to help develop and find those superstars, the Felixes and the Dennis's and all that. And, and Bianca and Layla, I can keep on going. And, and I mean, you and I talk, you had me on during the summertime, during our, our challenger. And I mean, we've seen all those players. I was just telling, telling my family, like, have a look at the TV screen, even from the Australians and from, from the Canadians, how many of these players played here in our, our Winnipeg challenger and now are playing on the, on the biggest stage of tennis. And, and it, you know, it's just kind of neat to see because it, you know, you put a, a plan in, in motion and, and to see it actually come to fruition is, is, is pretty amazing. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the tennis Canada for, for their staff, for their, their whole organization. I mean, it's been a long time coming. I'll tell you for sure. The question I have now is, will this be a springboard of some kind for Felix and Dennis? Because we've been waiting for that, kind of next step from them or is it you know it's november 28th the australian open still two months away there's really nothing else happening between now and then or is it tough to really carry the momentum of this forward 
It's not. I mean, especially for for Felix because he's uh, he's been on a heater this last uh, last four or five weeks or so. I mean, he's done really well. Dennis is kind of getting his game back on track. I mean, he didn't do too well at the Davis Cup. It was uh, Felix who was was carrying the singles for uh, part of it, anyways. But um, you know what? I think with the confidence, what it is right now, tennis is such a confidence sport, and um, I think the confidence that the Canadians now have to say. We're number one in the world right now as a tennis nation. We've got the Davis Cup. Our system is working. Everything we're doing is working. So hopefully it translates to, to, to matches. And, and some of that, those, I guess they call it locker room power, is, you know, and when people see the Canadians in the locker room prior to a match, hopefully that means that it translates to a few, few games won, given because it is a Canadian, because it is Felix that just won the Davis Cup. And, uh, yeah, and that's the next step is to, to win that that grand slam for one of our Canadians and on the men's side, obviously we did have it happen on the women's side with Bianca Andrescu, but winning the U S open, but a uh, next step is to have a Canadian man, win the uh, Australian U S Wimbledon, whatever it may be. And, and this will definitely, I think for a confidence, it'll definitely uh, bode well. So on November 28th, now looking ahead, it, yeah. is this the off season now? Is there a tennis off season? It is, yeah. Good question. Uh, this this would be it. But uh, two weeks from now, they'll all be all the players that are playing in the Australian Open, which is about a month and a half away or so. Um, they will all be traveling to Australia or to that part of the uh, that part of the world to get acclimatized, uh, get the the clocks, their body clocks, uh, basically on par with uh, with that time zone. So I've been told that basically uh, middle of December, they don't even spend Christmas here or at home. They take off to, to that part of the world and, uh, and start playing tournament, tournaments and getting acclimatized and getting prepped for the, for the Australian Open. But I'll tell you, and that's the one thing with tennis. I mean, each of our sports that we're used to, NFL football, CFL, NHL, we do have the offseason here and where the players can actually kick back for a good six, seven weeks and let the body recuperate, let the mind recuperate. Um, but tennis, unfortunately, no. I mean, these guys will have two weeks off right now and then they're back at it. What about for you? What does uh, your winter look like as someone in charge of tennis, Manitoba? Yeah, and, uh, thanks for asking. No, it's it's definitely it's exciting. Uh, it is busy because all of the planning for the for the summer months uh, goes in right now, especially with our challenger is growing. So, looking forward to hosting that again in July at a new facility that we're uh, that we're building. So, kind of overseeing that new facility, build that project in West St. Paul. Um, same thing, putting together the tournament schedule. Our provincial team is going to start up again. Uh, seniors tennis is going. Uh, tennis, I mean, you know, through the whole the winter months at, at Taylor Tennis, we have a uh, new ownership group at Taylor Tennis, which is a year-round facility. Winnipeg Winter Club also uh, is, is thriving right now. And, and I'll tell you, like I, the amount of kids and, and adults that are playing tennis and, and just seeing the benefits that tennis brings and just the lifestyle that it is, it, it's been fantastic. And, and guys like Felix and Dennis, Bianca, Layla, I'll keep calling all of our Canadian players that are playing on TV, they're doing the marketing for us. They're, they're making my job a lot easier and getting our, our programs going at community centers all around Winnipeg. And uh, it, it's so busy. We're trying to keep up and it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's really, really nice to see, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited going into 2023 to see what tennis brings to, to the sport in our province. 
Well, Mark, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. I'm sure we'll check in ahead of the Australian Open. If we don't talk before then, have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you, and I appreciate you having me again. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you of the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your